Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Jeff Berman. I am the host of the Berman Hour podcast, and thank you for listening and tuning in. My co-host, Thaddeus Berman, he wasn't really feeling it. We can call that a failed experiment. (laughs) Our guest this week is Jen Razavi, otherwise known as Jen Pop from the Bomb Pops. I have to say, I've known Jen for a little over 10 years, but I think this is the first time she and I have ever had a one-on-one conversation in a quiet setting. It's always been at the Redwood or Loaded or one of these other Southern California venues. So it was nice to have a genuine one-on-one conversation without distractions and noise. And this is a great interview, a great podcast episode. I hope that you all enjoy it. I feel like I got to know Jen better for sure. We learn about the Bomb Pops. We learn a little bit about her solo work. We learn about her Patreon. We learn about the sliding into the Bomb Pops DMs segment thing, video chronicles that they were doing, which was equally hilarious and, and uh, you know, scary at the same time. We learn about her time living in Italy, playing in the band Ruma Terra, and this is a great conversation. She alludes to something a little bit at the end of the conversation that I feel like she couldn't get into, and we know now that, of course, the Bomb Pops are about to do a big tour with the fucking Dropkick Murphys. Holy shit, I think that tour was announced a few days after she and I did this interview together, but holy hell, the Dropkicks and the Bomb Pops are coming to your town, kid. Oh my god, you gotta fucking go to that show. Holy shit. Jen was also nice enough to lend her voice, her, her incredible voice, to the song Reckoning. On the new Divided Heaven record, which came out last week, February 4th. That is a sentence I can say out loud. The new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion, is out now. Holy shit. Holy shit. So yeah, whatever your streaming service of choice is, look up Divided Heaven, look up the record Oblivion, and look up the song Reckoning, and you will hear a little bit of a duet between Gen Pop and yours truly. If you want to order the record, go to dividedheaven.com and you will see links for both the U.S. and European pre-orders respectively through AF Records and Gunner Records. And uh, my goodness, excited, sad, relieved, a gamut of emotions. You know, anybody that's listening that's released a full-length record, you're, you're my people. And you know that when you release a record into the world and you no longer have control over it, it's uh, equally weird as it is exciting as it is scary at times. So thank you all for listening. The feedback has been tremendous. But, you know, like I said, there are people who turn in this podcast every week that don't know I'm in a band and don't know that I have a new record out. So if you're hearing this for the first time, check out Divided Heaven wherever you stream music and hopefully enjoy But regardless, you're going to enjoy this podcast interview with Jen Pop from the Bomb Pops. So let's get into it. Let's go.
said, thank you very much for singing on my song Reckoning. I mean, your voice oh my just gosh. added exactly what I wanted for it. Thank you for having me. And I've come so far with my logic. Like I felt with my, I did that on GarageBand since then I've got logic. I was felt like a fucking, it was just, <laughs> I, I've never like had to do that. But during, you know, quarantine, I was like, I need to be able to like, that definitely kicked me like my gear, my rear in the gear for being able to like, look, I should be able to do this and send right. it to the guy. Cause I, I couldn't even send him like, I don't even know how I sent it to him. Now it's like, now I know how I can just to do it. It was um, fine. He did tell me that like you recorded, cause I've made the same mistake where you record yeah. the, the loop. So if you just kind of keep singing the same part over and over again, GarageBand will save all of the takes. But yeah. then when he opened it up in his DAW, whatever he was using, mm-hmm. it was this, he's like, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, can you ask her which one? And I was like, just listen to him, man. Like, I'm sure they're I'm all good. So you know? bad. Yeah, I yeah, was like, no, it was so funny. I definitely was like, wait, this is something that happens a lot. And at the time I was doing a lot of stuff and I would just go into like Paul Miner's studio and pay him like, you know, whatever, a hundred bucks. I'm like, I can, I should be able to record my vocal and. Yeah. Like, I don't need to go down to a guy to record me. As of now, Reckoning is not going to be a single. It's definitely a different song for me. I mean, I play fucking piano on the song and yeah. had a bunch of noise. But it was a song I, I wrote after watching Dr. Ford's testimony when she told her story about her eventful and horrific experience with Brett Kavanaugh as he was being appointed to the Supreme Court. And it was this kind of the beginning of this big rift, uh, cultural rift in the country. And as I was recording, I was like, I cannot be the only voice on this song. That's just not, the optics on that are not good. I definitely need a good, strong female voice to kind of swell in certain parts. And you just did that perfectly. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful song. And it was definitely like, it pushed me in a lot of different ways. Cause I was like, yes, I can do this. And then I'm like, wait, what do you want? Like, how does it supposed to be? And I love working with people in the, you know, physical, like, I want to be in the same room as people. Like it would have been awesome yes. to be, you know, with you and be like, okay, well, what are you thinking? Or how is this? Cause I'm a lot of times really hard on myself and also it's your song. Like I can't, I don't even know, you know what it is you're looking for. And you were just like, do your thing. And I'm like, well, it took me first like a while to get used to the song and like what it, not just like knowing the lyrics, but knowing the vibe and your cadence. And again, that pushed me to really want to, um, you know, be able to do remote work and collaborations with people, sure. you know, People do it all the time and there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, it's funny you say that. There's a lot on my new record where I just recorded it in my closet or I recorded it into a shitty M audio interface. And I figure as long as it's good enough and I send it to somebody who really knows what they're doing, if it's going to be released and it's going to be properly mixed and mastered and released, then as long as I'm not the last like my hands are not that capable as long as it ends up in more capable hands right. after me. I feel pretty confident. Are you the same way? Yes. I am not the last person to touch <laughs> any of this. You know, with those acoustic videos on my um, YouTube channel, I do, I really got into mixing on there. And like the, the, um, the most recent one, I, uh, I recorded part of it too loudly and then I adjusted it. Like just, it was just too close to the mic and I got really loud. And so um, I moved back, but then when I looked through all the takes, I was like, I don't 
that one I really like. And so one thing I want to, you know, I do putting a little compression on it, but, you know, learning how to mix it, my own stuff with just the acoustic is fine. But even so, if there was, those aren't released, they're on YouTube, you know, but I wouldn't, yeah. I would definitely, um, you know, feel more comfortable if it's something that I've, I can record it and yeah, have someone that can do a great job mixing and mastering. And a lot, there's so much magic that lies in that. It's amazing what people can do. The other thing is like, I never really played to a click. Really? When I play by myself, because Josh, a uh, drummer of the Bomb Pops is- He's, he's um, a walking click. Yeah, he's so good. Walking yeah. metronome. He's, and I'm spoiled that way. So, um, and in the studio, you know, if he's laying down drums first, or, you know, usually it's the click and the drums in there. So yes, I record to a click, but I prefer to have a drum beat, you know, in there. Um, but over the quarantine, I was doing some stuff with Chris number two and- he was like, Hey, can you, I demoed some songs and he's like, can you record these two? a click. I'm like, yes. And I didn't, I never had. And then I first I had had Josh. I was like, what? I sent Josh my voice memo. I was like, what BPM is this? Cause I couldn't even figure it out. Now I have this website where I just like go and tap. You can like tap to it and figure it out. Oh, I have an app. Yeah. I have a great okay. app. I didn't it. see. Yeah. I've never even knew. And then I, I recorded to a click and got really good recording to a click. So learning yeah. process. Yeah, this uh, pandemic has wreaked havoc on a lot of our egos. And, you know, there are times where I think, yeah, like, I, I feel pretty good as a podcaster. Maybe I could have always been doing this. And then there are times where I think, nah, I just, my ego just needed to be fed because I wasn't playing shows anymore. You started a Patreon uh, relatively yes. early into the pandemic. You can be honest. Mm -hmm. Do you like having a Patreon and have you enjoyed it? I can't even tell you how much I love it. Really? Um, okay. Awesome. And, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't stress me out <laughs> and that I, I have such anxiety sometimes because you're to deliver the thing. And yeah. I've honestly, I've had plans to do this before the pandemic because I really wanted to explore the acoustic realm. And mm -hmm. then, but I wanted to wait till after the Bomb Pops album came out. And that came out on March 13th of 2020. So it was like Perfect the day. Yeah. 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 So I was like, well, then I launched and I plant, launched it. And then it's like everyone's launching Patreon and all this stuff, which is great. I love it so much for this reason because I started it. It's, I think it depends on what you're putting out there, you know, and yeah. um, I have changed it and scaled it back. I've been completely honest with people on there. It's like, hey, I'm actually not doing this anymore. You signed up for this. If you want to leave, like, that's fine. And people have left and then I will come back. And I've gotten to a point now where I don't really post about it a lot on my social media. I'm pretty sure if I plugged it more, I would get like yeah. followers because every time I do, I get people on my Patreon. But yeah. I love the community that's there and I kind of keep it small. And also the people that are there, it's like consistently the same number and I love them so much. And it kept me playing guitar and every single day, like I played guitar more than I ever did consistently every day since, you know, out of the 20 something years I've been playing guitar. And yeah. it's because I had this thing that I have to do that I promised people I would do and, you know, they were supporting it. I feel bad because I feel like I set you up to uh, shit on the Patreon process because, like you said, there were a lot of people that signed up in March and April of 2020, and a number of them have kind of let it go by the wayside or they discontinued it. I, from the outside looking in, I, I know that 
it's a stressful thing. It can be a stressful thing. So I'm happy to hear that you you flipped my uh, pessimism on its on its optimism. Well, that's it's still very true though what you're saying because I started off doing live acoustic shows every other week, and then I would do live chats as well. And it was kind of like, I was doing everything from talking about how the band got started to how we make records, what the recording process was like for, you know, different records, what it's like making the music videos, thinking behind our social media strategy for the release, which is something that Neil and I came up with and and did. And there was so much work behind that. And so there was a lot to to do, but I started off playing acoustic requests because I wanted to push myself to like learn more songs And I found that that was so stressful because I wanted to do like, you know, 30 minute set every even twice a week, I mean, twice a month. And then I went down to once a month. And so I kept changing it. And it became like I was doing quantity over quality. So I felt like I was just trying to learn these songs. And I I only really want to cover songs that resonate with me. So to just pick a song because someone requests it was kind of like not doing anything for me. Therefore, I wasn't practicing it in time and not delivering. So I've changed it several times. And there's been months where I've completely lagged and people drop off and I and they all and I completely understand. But then I've been the last five months been trying to be really consistent with it. And um, I feel so good when I am. (laughs) Do you think it's leading to a Jen solo record? Is that a goal for you? It is a goal that I've always wanted to do. Well, not always wanted to do, but ever since I started doing these acoustic shows, which I never played acoustic live for anyone until 2019 with Stacey and Jenny from Bad Cop invited me on this acoustic. Oh, the Vagabonnies. Um, the Vagabonnies, yeah. 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 And they're so great acoustic, the two of them. They're, you know, Jenny's like, do you want to? do this acoustic tour? I was like, no, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> you can't I say don't. no to them though. You can't say no to the, I couldn't. To the bad and I, I also was thinking like, man, they, if they can do it, like I can do it. And so I did that. And by the end of that tour, I was addicted to doing it. And nice. then I got asked to do some shows and I did a tour with like Teenage Ball Rocket, Mean Jeans and the Clowns and just opened up the show acoustic. And I loved, I love playing in a band. But I also, there's not, every, there's not, you know, you can't always say yes to everything with the band, um, especially, and I just kind of like the experience of doing it by myself. So mm-hmm. I want to continue to have that as something to do, but you have to have material to do that. And is that coming along as you've been doing this Patreon project? So it's really interesting because I saved all of the money from the Patreon and there's like a nice chunk in there. And all along when I started it, it was to put back into something and at the time I started it I had no idea what that was going to be like an album or what's the album going to sound like is it acoustic who do I want to work with and that's actually slowly shaping up and I have some plans but it's all super low-key except that I'm gonna share with the people on my Patreon and probably launch some kind of thing to go with it because it's actually the only way I could even wrap my head around doing this on my own, you know, without a label and just totally funding it myself is because of the Patreon. Yeah. All right. Well then I won't push you for the details if they're the okay, ones yeah. who deserve to get it first. No, but one day when we're and I want to get into it, I would love to share it with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll have to have you back. Speaking of Josh, I you guys have always had really great music videos. And but my favorite one is Can of Worms, where Neil and Josh are the the chicks, and you and Polly are the dudes, you know, for lack of a better term, right? And 
they're just being girls on the beach or you know on the street well, and you guys you and polly are just the biggest scumbag it's just, <laughs> just dare i say role reversal but that leads me to asking you about sliding into the bomb pops dms yes i love this this is this is like the best content ever where did that idea come from well i um <laughs> I got this one really, really gnarly one in um, June of like 2019 and I screenshotted it and it was just really, really, really offensive. And I, then I, then I was like, you know what? I get these all the time. Like I'm, so I I spent uh, like a day going back through all of my DMS and screenshotting them and screenshotting them, screenshotting them, screenshotting them. Cause I just thought, you know, I wanted something like I kind of was, thinking that I'd make a Twitter account and tweet, you know, tweet what they were, but I didn't have any real plans or I was like, maybe we make a coffee table book. And it's like image of these tweets and other women (laughs) that are in bands can, you know, add to it something. So I kind of didn't really think anything of it other than I knew that I, I just needed to um, catalog these. And then when we were on tour in 2019 with Mast Intruder, we brought Chris Grau along with us. Chris Grau has done all of our music videos. Sure. We brought him with us to get just video content, which is just something you need these days if you're on tour. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's scram, cram one more person in the van and pay for someone, one more person that we can't afford. <laughs> yeah. But um, you need them. I I got one while we were on tour and I just like read it out loud. And then Chris was like, that is so crazy. He kind of videotaped. He's like, let me, let me like record that. This will be funny. And then I kept going. Then I was like, opened up my folder and kept reading them. He's like, hold on, stop. He turned off the camera. He's like, I thought that you just like had gotten this, but you're saying that you have a folder of these. I was like, yes. He's like, okay, let's, let's do something here. And so he kind of, he definitely helped us form what it was going to be better. And he was like, you need to call out the, the, the handle of the person. And a part of yeah. me, it's so fucked up that I was thinking, I don't want to call them out. I'm like, wait, why do I care? Yes, I do. And it, that's what made it couple, great. Yeah. And that's, there's a couple of them on there that were just funny and like sweet. And I don't want it to, I didn't want to. Um, so there's a few that don't have the handle because I didn't find them offensive. They were just funny. And I don't want to like shame people that are just like being cute and whatever. If you want to ask for like a someone to hang out in a really, you know, cute way on Instagram like I don't want to shame them so there's a couple of them that were in there were just like funny and I didn't include the handle but anyone that was offensive or raunchy or just really terrible we put the handle and it's funny if you go look at them most of them it's like pictures with their girlfriend or their kids or their (laughs) wives and it's like (laughs) like I could say I should kind of retract a little bit of what I said when I led you to the question because it's disgusting. And I hate that you guys, that you and Polly were like fielding these fucking creeps, right? It's just, it's fucking terrible. But the way that you handled it with levity, a little bit of humor, and you just kind of let the viewer kind of reach the conclusion of like, wow, it must be just kind of fucked up if you're in that situation where like you have to, you have to deal with that. Like, you know. I had one yeah. groupie and I married her. So like I've never <laughs> had to deal with like any of that shit. You That's know what I mean? That's so funny because we always yeah. think like I, I was talking to Jenny and Stacy. I would never in a million years like think. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I'm like, who knows? 
but it's just such a different thing because of like a, a group here, a fan of the band. I'm just like, I don't know, just because there's so many th- things like that out there. You know, you just don't know. And I yeah. don't want to say that it's not possible at all. I'm like, shoot your shot if you, you know, just don't, <laughs> don't be <laughs> a creep. But I think it's it's just wild because it's something that we've just lived with our whole entire lives. And that's just one space where it's invasive. You yeah. know, I guarantee you, I've come across some a lot of those people in person and they would not say that to my face, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they can have no problems being a creep. And, you know, it's in your direct message. It's a message to you. It's really no different than someone, you know, sending you a text message or an yeah. email and you really feel there. There's just a feeling of like this weird ickiness and, and invasiveness, but you know, you kind of just like you learn to live with it. And so it's just it becomes kind of funny after a while. I don't know. Maybe that's just a way to deal with it. It's entertaining content, but I think people in in my position and, and our friend and everybody in our band, we yeah. would crack up at it. But we were laughing with you. But we also yeah. understood that, like, God, this like like we don't have to deal with this. Like that's such a privileged state of being. Or like, no it's one's sending cause... divided heaven inappropriate messages. You know, like I, we just we yeah. felt for you. Like we we would kind of go back and forth between like laughing with you but then also feeling bad and just being like well if you want to have a fun time go to our youtube and read through the comments (laughs) it's funny because if i forget what comment it was oh someone left a comment and i don't know fat mike never gets involved in stuff too much like that comments he's like ah people say shit all the time but he was he got so angry because he's like the people are talking shit if people are talking shit on a band just an all a boy band <laughs> that's fine talk shit this band sucks i don't like this music this band sucks because they they sound like this i'm not into it blah 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 that's fine i don't care if people don't like my band i don't care if you don't like the song i don't care if it's not your cup of tea but it's 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 not it's so much deeper than that this band sucks and like that's this girl like this girl's not hot they're just selling sex whatever it is it has to do with or so-and-so's fucking so-and-so like and i'd like to do this or whatever like it's just a whole different thing that boy bands don't get yeah you know no one's like even if someone is fucking hideous looking as a dude they don't it's not just talked about why they don't like the band you know it's an unfair correlation that's made to the bomb pops that other bands a lot of other most of the bands aren't facing. A few years ago, it was like you were around and then you mm-hmm. weren't around anymore. And I realized that you were in Europe. You were gallivanting around Italy oh, yeah. <laughs> and doing some musical projects. Yeah, everyone was like, oh, Gen Pop's not around anymore. What were you doing in Italy? It was for a summer that you were there? Yeah, and it was actually met guys at the Redwood Bar when playing a show with Payoff, which was Neil, oh, sure. Josh, yeah. and I'm. I feel like we played shows with you. Yeah, we played with you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, as Bomb Pops or as Pay... But there was a while where Payoff was playing quite a bit. And um, I know that we played with you on... Yeah. I feel like... Did we play it Loaded with you? That sounds right. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. There wasn't that many people at this show. It was like a random night. And I have a friend. His name is Simo. And he was... He's from Italy. And he was playing drums with a band their band was playing the show whatever so Simo's talking to these other these three like they're all very tall Italian guys 
And I'm, I'm like, God, oh, just a bunch of Italian guys. Like, I didn't think anything of it. And then later, you know, Simo was telling me, he's like, yo, those are, those are my friends. And they're actually in this really uh, popular band in Italy. And they came here to California because they were looking to bring a guitar player back with them so that they can film this like reality TV show and have them play as their guitarist for a summer. And it wow. came to see the singer of the band that Simo was playing in. See, they were like, I guess Simo was like, yeah, I don't think you should take this guy. It's not good. I'm actually leaving this band, but just come out to the show anyway. Yeah. So anyways, they are, of, you know, there's different regions in Italy. They're from um, Veneto, which is the north, northern part. It's like Venice, Veneto. And in this region, they speak the dialect of Venetian. And so the thing that's interesting about this band is they sing in Venetian, not Italian. And a lot of bands, they sing, they don't sing in the dialect, like their Italian dialect. They sing in Italian or they sing in English. It's so hard to explain because it took me like a, like a minute when I was there to really fully understand because this band was massive. Like we were playing shows to like 3,000 to 5,000 people like every time we played. Like there wasn't wow. a small show and they were playing, it would just, just be on the weekends or every other week. And it was at a, a festival, but it wasn't like say a festival over there, like punk rock holiday or download festival or like anything like that. They were playing the, like the, the Noki festival of the town of Katsago or wherever. Yeah. The local so cultural every, festivals that were happening yeah, in the summer. Yeah. Every yeah. summer, every little little like town or village has their summer festival and it's usually a week long or two weeks long and every night there's bands there's food there's just games and and it's like fun for the whole family band rumatera would play one of the nights and it's like the hugest thing and so they sing in venetian which is kind of like uh, the bbc did this little special on them after i left i saw saw that they posted it because Venetian is kind of a dying language. Like sure. young people won't speak it. It's kind of embarrassing. It's like not embarrassing. It's just that you kind of seem like you're, you know, everyone wants to be from Milan or, you know, a bigger city. And it just is, it's kind of, it's in the countryside out, yeah. outside of Venice and in between Padua. So the band sings in Venetian. So if you ask, a f but they, he's, when I met them, he's like, we sing in the Venetian, but we party like a Blink-182. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of the band? They're called Rumatera. R -U -M -A -T -R -A. What does that translate to? Like dead earth? It's a snow. That's a great guess, but it's oh. um, a small fish that <laughs> lives in the, Ven in the Venice Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> but and their lyrics are like braunchy they're like talking about yeah. having pride from where you're from. like blink 182 was it's like they have one it's like how like they you know are making out with a girlfriend or like fucking their girlfriend in the cornfield or whatever like i don't even know what the lyrics were people were like you know what they're saying right i'm like i kind of know but i don't i have no yeah. i don't know but um but you had a so good yeah. time it was a good experience it was one of the most magical experiences of my life. I can't, I don't know. Like if someone asked me to do that now, I don't even know. I, I did. They were complete strangers. If Simo hadn't. It sounds like a fucking movie script. <laughs> it really crazy. felt like it. And I didn't even know Simo that well. So Simo was like, trust me, these guys are good guys. And I'm like, 
okay, if Simo says so, like, I don't even know you, you know? So I was there for five and a half months, closer to six months. There was only like 30 shows or something. So the whole time I was just really experiencing that region. And it was just a 20 minute train ride into Venice. And I, you know, take the train everywhere. I went to Rome, went to Florence, took a flight down to Sicily. And to be able to stay in one region and know, because like when you're on tour or even when you're traveling and going to Europe, just like with your family or whatever, you don't see shit. And you do the touristy stuff. I hung out in this village, a town called Dolo. And um, lived in a farmhouse. It was like old before 1900s farmhouse. Yeah. There was a recording studio there and everyone that lived there was a musician. It was really cool. Yeah. I seem to remember something that Fat Records did around the time that that Muslim ban went into effect Uh where a number of people, bands on the roster kind of had these selfie videos where they were talking about their immigrant experience or their parents or grandparents immigrant experience. I want to say you were on that were you talking are you italian i'm not but people think that i am so i blended in really well there because i my last name is raza v there's a z and a v in there and it very well (laughs) could be i don't know but it's actually persian okay okay yeah Yeah, i'm sorry i misremember i remember you in the video but i I didn't remember no anyone and then i went to italy so it all just was like yeah you must be italian (laughs) you must be italian yeah (laughs) That is that sounds like a fucking Hollywood movie script. That's crazy. It was. It was so I can't even like explain it. I don't know. One day, like one of my the best days of my life, I think, is we had a day off. And so they go, like, oh, you want to go like we're going on the boat in the Venice Lagoon. And it's like you can take a boat into your own boat, you know, into Venice or whatever, but there's all these little other islands in the Venice lagoon so one day they have a friend and he has a a boat just like a small little boat you know and we go out like four of us and we're like we're gonna hunt for mussels and so and it's really shallow the venice lagoon and so we took this boat to all these different beaches and then we'd go take the boat to these other islands and like you can't go to those little islands if you're not from venice there's nothing touristy at all it looks Mm -hmm. like venice but no tourism and um we go have a spritz and have some wonderful meats and cheeses and then we hop back on the boat and keep going to like shallower waters and picking up these mussels and then we go home and the guys like cook the mussels into a pasta and there's 20 people come over and we it's just it was out of a dream yeah i love being in italy with people that with locals yeah and you just get a taste of that lifestyle figuratively and literally I'm, I want to ask you about Death in Venice Beach, but yeah. I feel like you have to answer it in that like Italian way of talking like you were just talking. I can't. So. I did. I get into it so much. <laughs> I remember when I was there, I I took a train to Switzerland to see the Flatliners and me, or me first and the Gimme Gimmies. And then I hopped in the bus with Flatliners to go to Switzerland to see uh-huh. Chris Fogel because Chris Fogel, who recorded both of our the Bomb Pops albums, he was in Switzerland. I was like, well, I'll just, you know, catch a ride with him. And the flatliners were like, you got it. You're here for a few months and you're already talking with your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. You guys, I think, really came into your own with this record. You know, you've been around a long time. but This is only your second, like, proper full length. But the writing was different. Fuck it. I'm just going to be honest. The writing was better. Everything about this record just felt more proper. 
and felt better than than FOMO or uh, the EPs that you had done. And yeah. I mean, is that fair to say? Like, That's did, did totally you, did you fair. Did you all to feel say. the same way? One hundred percent. And I can just say. Uh, thank you. I think that that's the biggest compliment. There's no way around the fact that 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 it's true. And um, I think that we're a band that's kind of just where we were playing as a band, maybe even before we really should have been. And um, but we just and we kind of got out there and got gigs just because we were hungry for it all the time. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, a band that was around, but we didn't have a whole lot of recordings. We just loved to play shows. And we kept getting offered them. It's like we were just playing to play shows, and it was really fun. I think you can just see being able to see the growth of a band through their discography is a really cool thing. And there's plenty of bands, you know, if they've been around long enough, you can see that. And very rarely are they excellent coming out the gate, you know, especially with just different ways to record and meet people. It's it's not that rare that a band just comes together and then they're awesome and then they're out there. I think maybe that's just because we have more exposure to more bands as well. I, I don't know. If yeah, but it, it seemed like it, it took y'all some time not it to did. say that those older records aren't good that's not what i'm insinuating at all but you know no, it's yeah, just I, like there was a gelling with this record that didn't seem to exist on the previous ones. i think we really i know i can speak for myself and the songs that you know i wrote on the album i thought about them i really wanted to be a better storyteller i really wanted to incorporate more imagery i really wanted to tell a story or apply like a vibe and have it lyrics are everything I'm a very lyrically driven person when I listen to Mm -hmm. music I rarely if a song sounds really cool and the lyrics come in and I just don't resonate with the lyrics I don't listen to it and I think we know we do it for the feeling and the energy a lot of punk bands out there that are great but I don't think lyrically are great but I mean they're cool to watch and it's fun and it's energetic and it's a it's a lifestyle I don't know I just think the bomb pops were kind of that band for a while and but I really thought about what I love and songwriters that I love kind of I don't know I feel like we studied that stuff and we studied it while we were actively a band and uh, I think working with um, producer helped so much because you know I I well, they didn't write lyrics and they didn't, you know, write melody. It's sometimes this song and it's this way. And then we demo as a band and then we're like, this is the way it is. But then if there's any opportunity to say, hey, like, let's throw in this chord here. Have you ever thought about your pre-chorus being your chorus instead? And <laughs> yeah. change the key. That just, you know, lets everything shine through. Or also, hey, there's too much going on. A lot of times it's like, we don't need that part. That part's a whole different song. Yeah. Who did y'all work with on this record? Um, So we worked with Chris Fogle. Um, He plays in the band The Gamets. And we did our first record on Fat uh, Fear of Missing Out with Chris Fogle as well. He has a studio in Denver called Black and and Bloom. He recently just moved to Switzerland, though. Then on the second one, though, we, you know, in that first record, we weren't on Fat Records. We we've known Fat Mike and we've known everyone at the label forever because we've always just been like, lurking around you know like we're hey, here we're yeah we're gonna be <laughs> on fat record one day yeah. and they're like oh no you're not with that song you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh fat mike did always say ah just write better songs and then but we kind of were like hey whatever we're just gonna re- record a record and i we'd recorded the first one before i went to italy in 2016 and then we finished it and it was done and we sent it to them and mike was like oh congrats this is like a perfect record i'll i'll put this out so 
we naturally wanted to go back with Chris Fogel to do the second one. You know, Fat Mike wanted to produce it, but we said no to that um, because <laughs> we wanted to do it in Denver. And also it's just a different vibe. Like Fat Mike's great at what he does. We just kind of wanted to do what we did before. So he kind of, you know, he wanted to produce us, but we kind of declined that. So we were set to go to, with Chris Fogel and then Fat Mike's like, hey, what if I got someone to produce your record? It's like, well, we're not going with you. And he's like, what if we have Yotam from Useless ID produce it? And um, I was like, you know what? If this like is going to make you happy, I actually really love Yotam's songwriting. Yeah, me too. A lot. He's an incredible songwriter. And I love that band. And I knew that he was friends with Chris Vogel. And Chris Vogel and him had worked on something together. I think Chris Vogel sings on a Useless ID song. Okay. He does. So that's why I was like, hey, this might work. This might work. And it's not bad to have another producer in the mix if both, if Chris Vogel's cool and if Yotam's cool. Anyway, so Fat Mike was like, just have Yotam and, and, and Chris Vogel, you know. So we ended up doing that. And it was really cool because Chris Vogel and Yotam have a lot of the same sensibilities. So it's kind of like, hey, I was you know, they're throwing in this chord. Well, maybe it's this chord. And it's like very similar things. So that definitely was nice to have two other sets of ears on it. Yeah, I remember I cross paths with Yotam. We always cross paths, like everywhere in the world, we seem to run into each other. But we played in Italy at one point. Um, his tour met up with ours, and, and he was talking about you guys. He's like, I think I'm going to end up producing this record. I can't oh. remember if it was before Fear of Missing Out or... It, it would have been right before it, Death in Venice Beach because yeah. it wasn't even on either his radar or or mine, you know. And yeah, until Mike suggested, he that. I remember he was really excited about it, and then I remember that he had some involvement, but I wasn't sure if he was a producer per se or what it actually was. But it was both he and Chris. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys just did something that most people have not done, yes. and a lot of bands are still gearing up to do, and that is a big full tour during COVID. You know, Death in Venice Beach came out in March 2020. <laughs> you guys had all these tour dates cancel, heartbreaking. But you just finished a tour. How did it go? What was it like touring during COVID? What was your protocol? Did you feel safe? Did you freak out? Like, what yeah. What the hell? Like, what was it like? We were, I know, we were one of the first tours out of the gate. And, um, you know, when we got the green light and it was announced, this was a tour that was going to happen in 2020, which we were we were a part of, but it yeah. never got to the point of it being announced or like, we didn't even know it was supposed to be like fall or something of 2020. And then, um, yeah. but they, they, they weren't one of those tours that got announced or it wasn't one of those tours that got announced and then kept having to get postponed, which was pretty lucky because those ones it's like, when is this happening? Some of those that haven't even happened, you know, yeah. got the offer. Yes. When it was announced. Yes. And then right before that, the Delta variant and all that, a lot of the stuff was getting canceled and, up until the moment that we got there, like to Florida where it started, I was just, this might not happen. We're going to get there. We're going to do everything that we can. We had to quarantine ourselves before we got there because basically if we were to show up there and then test and then tested, you know, positive, we couldn't even start the tour. So two weeks before was when stuff was really kind of ramping up with like Delta. And so we all self quarantined. I mean, I live by myself, but Neil has a roommate, blah, blah, blah. Like he came over and stayed here sometimes because we were just trying to not, you know, his roommate works at a bar and then she's coming home. It was just like, we just want right. to start yeah. this tour. Like it was incredible though. I knew that we missed it playing music, but it wasn't 
until we were out there like doing it that it I felt it so hard in my like core that you know it's it's your identity to a certain degree and when you don't get to do this thing that you a love to do b is like what people you know know you for you know I touring is rough so it's some some parts of it's like okay yeah going back on the road you know you kind of think of some of the hard things about it but then you the thing that always is consistent is when you play you forget about all of it it's just like this is amazing that tour was incredible because you know we were first of four it was bomb pops um hawthorne heights census vale and bayside bayside and i'm a huge bayside fan it's one of my favorite bands and i'd be lying if i wasn't saying it was you know inspiration like for writing death in venice beach you know like just some of the songs and um so you know that's definitely a different crowd than we're used to playing in front of it's the fat records crowd is its own thing and you know you can kind of get stuck in that world which is a wonderful world don't get me wrong and all the peripheral bands you know pennywise and bad religion and one of my favorite bands as well but it's like that's kind of like its own scene and Mm -hmm. But I really love the other scene as well, kind of like the emo warp tour bands. We just didn't know how it would go, but it just went over so well. Like Bayside's fans were there. Like the crowds were packed when we played. And we're the opening band that like most of those people didn't know who we were and they were there to see us. That's incredible. That's I don't so know if good. that's part of like COVID too, people just wanting to be at a show and not taking it. For granted, but I do think it's a lot of that fan base is like um, just different than maybe a full no effects crowd. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But you guys had a good time, and everybody. I mean, did you feel safe the majority of the time that you were out there? Um. Well, Neil got ended up. You know, he got sick, and he had to stay off for a whole week. So, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really bring it too much, too much attention during the tour but he did get it um and then he had to and we were all so all the bands were isolated in their own green rooms like yeah we and that sucked too because it's like we want to hang out with people and make friends because that's what you do on tour and even Bayside was like this is so strange like we've never like not hung with bands and there was a couple nights like in the beginning where we, where we were kind of hanging. You, you can't not cross paths, but yeah. those guys have buses. So if there were no green rooms for everyone, it was our green room because we didn't have, you know, a bus. And so they would just kind of come in before they go on stage. And then we everyone stayed masked up backstage. There were no guests. Even if there were like a family member was kind of the only exception. And they had to have be COVID tested. It was very, very, very strict. And it kept everyone safe. But, you know... And then no one else in our tour got COVID or in our van and which is insane. And then we yeah. all had to test every day for a certain amount of days and we never tested positive. And then Neil did. And our tour manager who also sold merch. So was in the crowd. Just talking with people. Yeah. Yeah. He played bass for us. So he was driving, doing tour, uh, being our tour manager and selling merch and playing. It was rough. It was rough. But he, Neil, um, I'll tell you that vaccine definitely makes that process so much faster because he tested negative and he had to test in order to join back. He would have to test three days in a row negative and then have a, another test from a lab be negative. 
Sure. So he only missed five shows and then came back. It was definitely like sketchy. Like he didn't, there's no way to fully feel safe. Even if these venues, everyone's masked up and vaccinated and they're supposed to wear their masks. Every, the crowd, all, everyone in the crowd takes their masks off once the bands start going. Yeah. So, you know, there's no real way to do it. Well, I give you guys a lot of credit for that. I mean, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Jesus Christ. My heart goes out to Neil. I had no, I would have reached out. I feel bad. I didn't know, but, uh, no, it's okay. Yeah, Actually, we didn't here. even talk about it really, but yeah. I mean, it, it happened and he was, he was, he got sick though. He had like the flu and, you know, and, and we were preemptively testing too. So it was just yeah. wild. Goddamn. Yeah. Well, hit us with, you know, information about your Patreon and what you're up to and what the bomb pops are up to. Uh, where can people find your stuff in addition to theirs? Yeah, so my Patreon is patreon.com slash genpop. I do acoustic cover songs as well as some original songs. And um, I do put those on YouTube. And my YouTube is slash genpop. And my Instagram is Instagram slash gen underscore pop. Any you can find me as Gen Pop on those things, but the Patreon live song run through and discussion of the songs and like dive into the lyrics about the songs that I cover, you know, what I think that they mean, like what I know about the band, what I know about the song, and then my approach to how I play it. Cause a lot of the times I've changed the key or, you know, kind of put my own spin on it. And I also do hand for each song that I do, I do a handwritten lyric and chord sheet for them and I put those in the mail and um oh, cool. yeah and then I do weekly I've been doing them weekly or at least a few times a month live chats where I just kind of discuss certain things a lot of times it's always like music related dissecting songs and albums you know telling like after the tour telling tour stories and things like that so that's awesome bomb pops um will be touring a bunch in 2022 so kind of follow us on instagram is where we post most of our stuff check us out on spotify and youtube oh yeah well thanks for coming on the podcast jen it's good to see you thank you for having me thanks for having me on your record we can talk oh, about that thank you so much yeah and there you have it my conversation with jen pop from the bomb pops be sure to go see them with the drop kicks this spring that's going to be great. Thanks again to punknews.org for partnering with the Berman Hour podcast for this Into Oblivion series where I've been interviewing the personnel that I worked with on making the new Divided Heaven record. The new record's called Oblivion. It is out now worldwide. You can stream it anywhere. You can order it anywhere. Go to dividedheaven.com. And uh, thank you, Jen. Thanks to the Bomb Pops. I love y'all. And thanks y'all for listening. I'll see you next week. Let's get it.